You're listening to the Sports on Tap Podcast Network. Cheers to sports. This is the Sports on Tap Seattle Podcast. Cheers to Seattle, y'all. Another week, another Seahawks loss, but your boys are here to uh, break it down and talk about some random stuff. So without further ado, I'm Sammy Georgeur, and with me today is George Georgeur. And uh, we talked, uh, what did we talk about? The Seahawks, Geno Smith, optimism, no optimism, and George's favorite topic of the day. Mm, are you talking about get back coach? Get back coach, the favorite topic of the day. Um, if you're very excited, get ready to listen to 25 minutes of George explaining why get back coaches are not necessary or not a necessary job. It's just a luxury. Yeah. It's a luxury. Very nice luxury item. We'll be back uh, talking Seahawks Jags later this week. So keep your eyes peeled Thursday or Friday and follow us everywhere at Sant Seattle, S-O-N-T Seattle and at sportsontap.com for all our content. And George, you know what they like to say. Cheers to Seattle, y'all. Enjoy the pod. Here we are beginning our podcast, George, another week of the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. And uh, just got done, you know, telling you I'm standing for this podcast, trying to keep my energy up despite this, uh, despite this start to the Seahawks season. But as you know, I'm ready to spit some optimism today, uh, even though there's a lot of bleakness in the season. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit. First of all, congratulations on standing. Um, this is a big big thing and you know the way the microphone stand yeah it's it's uh and i'm sitting um i don't know if there's some metaphors that we should be talking about here stand versus sit sit versus stand um but um at the end of the day congratulations i'm gonna congratulate you on the standing that's the only thing i can congratulate you i can't congratulate you on the seahawks great performance or anything so i'd like to congratulate on something that's true that's true it's not been a great performance so uh well I'm doing I'm doing more work than the Seahawks are out here, at least standing on my feet. Something that uh, you know, they're not doing without Russell Wilson. They're not they're not <laughs> keep they're not staying upright and uh not there keeping you go. the season alive too well. And uh I'm uh but I'm the metaphor, George, as the guy standing on today's podcast for the guy keeping himself up on his feet and keep going. You're taking a seat, you know, you're saying it's over, you know, backing out of backing out of your responsibilities, you want to take a seat, sit down. I'm going to give us the insight on why it is time to get up on our feet and keep trying, right? That There it is. There's the metaphor. Stay up on your feet. Keep trying. And the Seahawks have a chance. And uh, I got suckered in to listening to some Pete Carroll today on the Mike Salk show this morning. And, you know, Pete Carroll's all about keeping it positive. And he said kind of the same stuff that I was telling you earlier today. And I think there's a lot of reasons we can talk about some optimism for this season. Um, if that is, if Russell Wilson does come back after the, after the bye week, cause if not, yeah. we know it's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to let you kind of, you know, take it from there and tell me what this optimism is all about when I guess try to sell me and the listeners on your optimism for this season. I have optimism in this franchise cause I think we're still a great franchise, but you know, sometimes you get a season from hell. Uh, I feel like every team ends up getting a season from hell out of somewhere in, in their careers and or just in general as a franchise. And I feel like this is our season from hell and it's just due time. 
Yeah, you know, part of me feels that way and part of me doesn't just based on the fact that Russell Wilson is hurt, right? We've mm-hmm. lost three straight, so we were two and two until Russell Wilson got ha- hurt halfway through that first loss of the three straight. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's would be considered for me a season from hell if it goes downhill without Russell Wilson. Now, if Russell Wilson is playing, like what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs right now? You have Patrick Mahomes playing healthy, and what are they two and also two and or three and four, I guess. But yeah. like you know that that's even more shocking. Uh, it, like with Russell Wilson out three games, we're only one game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. That's weird. Um, for me, there's obviously a lot of topics here that people are talking about today, which is I think whether or not to be optimistic if the season's over or not. And of course, what, what to do with Pete Carroll, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. want, want the man fired a lot. Don't, but I, I'm. Which I'm one do you want to talk about first? Cause I think me and you stand on the same wavelength on one of those topics. Let's start with just the optimism here really quick, because it kind of par- goes into the reason why I feel like we should all take a deep breath and it has to do with coaching and everything. For me, it's pretty simple. The Seahawks are two and five. Remember, there is seven playoff spots this year. We are in the win column, only one game behind the Minnesota Vikings, who have three wins, along with the Falcons, who have three wins, the Bears, the Panthers, and then it's a bunch of two-win teams. Um, the NFC is very top-heavy. The wild card is going to be somebody that is not at 500, I'm saying, but somewhere near. Actually, it's not possible to be 500 this year. No, not That's possible weird. anymore. That's really weird to say, but... It's, I, I personally believe the wild card is going to be someone that's about nine and eight this year. And I think the Seahawks have a chance if they beat Jacksonville and if Russell Wilson, there's a lot of ifs, but well, these are very realistic ifs, I guess. Like to beat Jacksonville could be realistic and Russell Wilson coming back from the bye week could be realistic. And if you win three out of four and then a couple, you know, two out of three and then another three out of four, Whatever it is, those numbers don't add up. I think you get that. Uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, you win a couple, pa- like baseball, right? Win a couple series out of three. Uh, There's no series in football. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like- you just said you understood. You should have hit that joke before you said you understood. Well, then uh, you used the series, and I was like, all right, well, that makes that now I can make a joke out of it. So, well, fair. Anyways, they will be right in the mix with the Vikings, the Falcons, teams like that. The problem is, Yes, Vikings, a team like the Vikings or the Saints who are in that mix as well in the wild card. Do and have Rams. the tiebreaker over them. Forget the Rams. Rams are not going to – we're four games behind the Rams. That's completely different. True, I know, but we're talking about – I was just talking about wild card teams like in general. Those are like the three, I guess, wild card teams right now, and we've lost to all three of the wild card teams. I know, so but have, I don't like, care about the Rams. We're not going to – we're not We're not chasing the Rams. We're chasing that okay. Saints or Vikings spot. Yeah. So uh, it sucks not having that tiebreaker, but there's a very good chance – the Vikings can go on a three-game losing streak just like the Seahawks did this season. There's, It's very possible. So I guess my whole point here is we're one game in the win column behind teams that are in the wild card, right, or in the race for the wild card. So if things line up correctly, where we're very lucky to be playing Jacksonville out of all teams next week with Geno Smith, and if Russell Wilson comes back from the bye week and is healthy, there is a chance to make up some ground this season, and it's not going to be a season from hell. Now, that's not a guarantee, but it gives some reason to watch games. We're not the 0-7 Detroit Lions, and we don't – it's not that we have a franchise quarterback that's playing like shit. He just happens to be hurt. Okay. I mean, 
you did a good job selling the optimism, but I'm going to, like, if, the, if this was a stock, like, st a stock market, I would sell off the optimism only because I saw what this team looked like earlier in the season with a healthy Russell Wilson. We saw the Tennessee game be a complete disaster. We saw the, before getting hurt against the Rams, the team looked like absolute shit. We saw us lose to the Minnesota when, when we lost to the Minnesota Vikings, who we beat literally every single time we beat play them. I'm like, oh man, this this season is not going to be going our way. So, I mean, if we were playing really good before Russell Wilson got hurt, and then Russell Wilson got hurt, and then we get on the slide, I'd feel really optimistic. Like, I, I don't think you're. I don't know if you're really optimistic. You're just showing optimism. Um, like you do, but I feel like we were playing so bad, e even with Russ, that I'm not really ready to get on an optimistic train here. Like, let's just say I'm with you. There is a chance, right? Like, totally a chance to to make the playoffs because it's realistic. Like, if we want to be realistic, there's an opportunity. But what would you put that number at, right? Like, if you were to put like your a percentage, 10, 15 percent. Okay, uh, but, but, but I'd, agree, I'd agree with that. It's around, you know, I mean, NFL odds say I was looking it up earlier, 4%, but I don't believe, like, those are just odds. It doesn't account for your injured quarterback is coming back who's yeah. MVP caliber, you know? I put it around 10%, uh, I guess. And I guess for me, that's 10 I guess it, it goes back to another analogy. Is a glass half full or glass half empty? Your 10% is half full. My 10% is half empty. So I guess we put it about in the same spot where we both think it's about a 10% chance on the season. Yeah. Um, I also think percentages and statistics this year and all that type of stuff, it's obviously more confusing when you add a wild card and add a game this season. We've never mm -hmm. seen the... I guess the trajectory of a season with an extra game and a extra wild card and what that entails, which it makes it makes it fun, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't know what that entails when it comes to like how many teams have ever come back and slipped into the seventh seed. That's never happened before. Cause there's no well, zero. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's never been one. So my thing here is I actually disagree with the, that the facts that the, the, the fact that the Seahawks were so abysmal this year. I don't see it that way. Uh, they beat a pretty decent Colts team. I think the biggest, the hardest moment of the Seahawks season before the Russell Wilson injury was blowing the lead to the Titans. Because if we're looking at that. Who look good now, by the way. Now looking back at yeah. that game, it's not like they were a bad team. Not, not just who look good, who look like maybe one of the top five or six teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. Somehow they lost to the Jets, but I just want to say that. Like, still the most confusing game of the season. Yeah, yeah, but teams lose, man. I mean, like, that's – it's not confusing. It's I mean, the, some teams – Falcons were 0-3 and then came back and started winning games. The Seahawks blew leads to the Titans and beat this. The Colts started off 0-whatever. You know, this is, this is football, right? They're all professionals. There's some bad games, some good weeks. The better teams get better as the season go. And I think for me – the Titans game made this season look so much worse than it was because if you're looking at that, we would have been three and one going into that Rams game before Russell Wilson got hurt. That's a huge difference mm -hmm. on like how the Seahawks season's going. Right. Mm -hmm. And that Rams game probably with Russ were losing. But if you ask my personal opinion, at the Steelers, we're going to overtime with Geno Smith and lose by three. You're probably winning that game with Russell Wilson, just given mm -hmm. the fact that the difference between Geno and Russell and it was a three-point game. 
again last night, a three-point game. You probably have a 25. What are the chances you win those two games compared to Geno's? Another 20% higher. This team's mm. not more than 20%, probably actually, but this team's not as bad, I think, as people are trying to make it out to be. No, I don't think they're 13 as bad. points to the Saints. Yeah, they gave up 23 points to the Steelers, but that's also equating for you know a lot of three and outs with a guy like Geo Smith and different things. So I just don't see this team to be as poor as everybody else does in the sense of like, oh, they weren't very good, this and that. I think they were okay. Now, the hard part, once again, of course, is, you know, if you do lose that game to Jacksonville next week because of, let's say, a play of the play of Geno Smith, um, you, you're really giving yourself even, you know, now down probably like a 1% chance of making the playoffs. So my big thing is Halloween night or Halloween morning, George's birthday shout out is a huge game. They got to win against Jacksonville or the season is now like the optimism. There's not even a point to be optimistic at that point. If they're at two and six. Okay. Well, I mean, right now they're two and five. Um, I'm going to say you need to go. I'm just going to say, right. Let's just talk about what do you need to do to actually think about this? And that starts obviously with the Jacksonville game. I mean, I don't, I think it's going to take 10 wins to get in. Um, because we're gonna have, we're probably gonna have to have maybe the Saints or if we get nine and the Saints get nine or the Vikings get nine and we get nine, they have the tiebreaker. So I think for us to get in, we need to win ten games. So we got to go eight into the remainder of the of a way, and that starts with Jacksonville. Do you see us having a shot to do that? I mean, we could still lose one of the Packers versus Cardinals game and then run the table from there. I this is why it all depends because really, if you. I'm counting on the Seahawks to win this Jacksonville game. If they don't, I'm obviously out of the optimism, out of the thinking of how many games we need to win. So we really need to go seven and two with Russell Wilson. Um, Mm. If he's coming back, obviously that's, we don't know for sure. Right. Right. Uh, We'd have to go. I don't think anyone knows for sure. I don't think Russ knows for sure. I mean, it's his first time coming from an injury. That's kind of the goal. That's the goal. Uh, We got to go seven and two. And do I think we can go seven and two with Russell Wilson? Absolutely. Given the fact that, here are some of the games that I already think we can win on the schedule, which is Washington, San Francisco, Houston, Chicago, and Detroit. That's five games. Now, you got to go two and two against the Rams, the Cardinals twice, and the Packers. Is it possible for Russell Wilson's healthy and Chris Carson's healthy in the defense, which, by the way, played a lot better these, these last two weekends. Like last night, played really well, actually, outside of some stupid I, I, mistakes. To, agree with that. Uh can they do that? I think so. But they also have to clean up a lot, right? Um, Russell Wilson will not save Al Woods from jumping at nose tackle and giving them mm-hmm. a first down. Uh, it's not going to save who was it that hit the quarterback late? We had it. Was it Blair? Okay, but that one, I mean, that was a horrible call. I know, but th- that type of stuff changes the game. Um, Russell Wilson can't save you. From those things. But if the team's playing pretty decent in general, I do think they can go seven and two. Um, th- th- where do you see it at? Because I, I'm not saying they're going to go seven and two, right? No, I'm, no. I'm saying that I can see the possibility well, of. I mean, God, of course you can go seven. They're going to go nine and oh the rest of the season, but this team's just not good enough to do that. And they're really just not good enough to do that. We've seen this team play against the, that Vikings team, against the Rams with Russell Wilson in the first half. 
before he got hurt looked like absolute – the team looked bad. And then we also saw them against the Tennessee Titans blow a huge lead. This team is not good enough to go 7-2 and in any stretch, even with – any quarterback back there. It's just not a good enough team. Now, will I be rooting for that? No, I want them to go seven and two. I want to go nine and zero. <laughs> but um, I just in general, I don't see it. And I don't think that's anyone's fault, really. I just think there's there's hardly enough teams in the NFL that are good enough to go seven and two in any stretch of any season. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with the fact that they're not the greatest team that we've seen in a while, obviously. When it comes to the Seahawks, um, but once again, I don't see it the way you do. Uh, I really don't. I think. Uh, I, I think hope you're Seahawks, right. I want. I want it. I want it your way. <laughs> I, I think if the Seahawks had Russell Wilson, they'll probably be four and three right now instead of uh, they probably win these last two weeks. Um, and you never know; they could have even won the Rams game. I'm not saying they were because I think they were playing poorly as well. But um, we're talking about a team that has a winning record, probably if Russell Wilson's playing. Um, and that's not a bold statement. I think if you I ask Steelers fans and Saints fans, even they would probably agree with it too, right? Like, yeah. okay, you guys would have beat us if that yeah. was Russell Wilson. And, and that's how so, I feel. They're a team that's like a four and three team of Russell Wilson. That's hard to go seven and two. That, that's how I feel. I feel they're more of that type of team. I really think if Russ comes back, how many games is he going to play? Nine? Yeah, right? Is it nine? There would be nine games left. Yeah, yeah. there would be nine games left. This team is more of a six and three, five and four quality team than a seven and two team. But you, like you said, anyone can get hot. Let's get hot. Let's get hot, yeah. baby. And <laughs> that's where I once again say there's not that much of a difference between six and three and seven and two. That's one win that you sneak out, or yeah. that's a week seventeen where the Cardinals are clinched with the seventeen. The the Cardinals are the only undefeated team in football right now, right? They mm-hmm. clinch a number one seed, and it's week 17 against Seattle, and they're 15 and two. They're not playing their starters, and that's, okay, that could be that's one of those true. freebie games, you know? So that's where I think there's there's a lot of optimism here. And we're, we're, we're also talking about, I know Geno Smith has not played like awful, right? Not a big turnover guy, whatever it is. Um, and I heard Pete Carroll saying in the press conference that like that's two games in a row that we were positive in turnovers, like we were plus mm-hmm. one turnovers last night and it's easy when you're doing hb dive seven plays in a row still yeah (laughs) we'll get to that but i mean but that's let me just be real for a second because they were plus one in turnover which rarely ever in football you lose when you're on the positive side of turnovers and so gino's not playing awful but he's really not good also so it's like there's a big difference if you had russell out there and you know i think we can get to the HB dives now because I think that's another hot topic here is Pete Carroll. And a lot of people want to talk about Pete Carroll shouldn't have a job with the Seahawks anymore. Maybe the time has come, you know, maybe it's just past the time. It's been, a, it's been a while, obviously. And of course he said the comments that are probably take getting taken out of context a little bit that he wouldn't be here this long if it wasn't for Russell Wilson. Um I'm just not in this place where I think you're really lucky to have a good coach in the NFL or in college or whatever. I'm not really quick to fire people, especially in a season where I know he's not going to get fired midseason, but especially like, you know, he's playing with Geno Smith right now. Russell Wilson's hurt. I don't know if that's the time that I should be determining uh, the longevity of a coach in the NFL who's done a really great job. 
Yeah, I put out a video about this a little earlier today, and I think Seahawks fans and Seattle sports fans, as much as I love them, sometimes you guys are absurd. Like, what are you talking about? We Have you seen – there's a franchise that plays across the street from CenturyLink Field – or Lumen Field now – um, called the Seattle Mariners, and Sammy, you're wearing their hat right now. And this team hasn't been in the playoffs in twenty was it twenty one years now? Twenty one fucking years. Um, the Seahawks have made the playoffs nine out of eleven. Nine out of the eleven years Pete Carroll's been here. The Seahawks have been to two Super Bowls of Pete Carroll. The Seahawks have won a Super Bowl of Pete Carroll. The guy everyone misses, Russell Wilson, who gave him a shot. Oh, Pete Carroll, when no one else really thought he was a starter in the NFL. Pete Carroll is the best coach in the Seahawks history, and we are so quick to get upset and say we need to fire him, fire him, because we have a bad start when our best players out <laughs> like let's relax he's the best coach in franchise history yeah does he drive us crazy sometimes because we run the ball a little too much well yeah but he's also not the offensive coordinator so maybe he needs to hire better offensive coordinators now the one criticism i'll give of Pete carroll is i know he has a lot to say in the drafting process but we have not and we have not been good at that but at the same time i think we're very quick to say that when we just hit it seems like we really did hit on trey brown this 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 draft corner out of Oklahoma in case I know just in case knock on wood but I mean he's also he knows more football than um Seahawks one two three on Twitter I don't know that's the most see I I think think. that's a really dumb example by the way George I'm so sorry because I'd be I could tell you the same thing the person be like okay he knows more football than you and you're he does everything you're saying is wrong so I I don't agree with that whole like oh you know more than this guy on Twitter well Everybody knows more than everybody in this world, right? Whatever. So my thing is, I know. There, it's you're you're. I think you're a little too far on the other side too. I just think it's not a good idea to evaluate right now when we have a backup quarterback. It, I but I'm not as far on your side where I'm like, oh, see how fans are being ridiculous and this and this because they're not. I mean, there. I I just got a great example on Twitter mm-hmm. from somebody else, which was like everyone said the same shit in Green Bay, and honestly, mm-hmm. it's probably worked out that they fired Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, happier. And they've been just as is dead, he? If not, Matt, Aaron Rodgers is happier. He just said he was going to retire. And that's, now he, that wasn't because of Matt Lafleur. George, come on. Okay, no, then no, George. Come on. Like, okay, okay. Then like, Russell. You're right. Then you. You know what? Good point. Pete Carroll should be fired because Russell Wilson was trying to leave. So actually, you're wrong too. Sure. Look at that. that there, that's uh, why you can't. Everybody. I know. This is, this is the point. You just actually I'm just defended saying, the other side, which is yeah, because you can defend on any side of any argument in the whole entire world. Like, it's like okay, you can, can find... I just get to my point though? I'm not. I mean, you don't okay, got to defend no. your point. I'm just saying that you, this is the you just said the exact reason. It's like, oh yeah, but is Aaron Rodgers happy? Well, Russell Wilson wasn't. He was asking for his way mm-hmm. out, so people can counter everything. So that's right. why I'm saying I think you're too far on the other side. Where you're like, oh, it's oh my god, he's the best. You should never blah blah. Well, no. Okay, let's pump the brakes. He should mm-hmm. not be evaluated right now. Like the reality is, mm-hmm. it's not about what he did in the past. It's gonna be about what he does in the future when he gets Russell Wilson back. This team's back to healthy, and let's see how it goes, right? And let's see if mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's happy. Just like you said, if the Aaron Rodgers stuff. If somebody's not happy, I mean, that's also gonna be a big decision. If Russell Wilson's actually not happy and doesn't want Pete Carroll there. And you have to also see the side that there are other coaching options. So I, I, that's why, you know, you made the example of the Mariners. The Mariners have had the same manager now for seven years, I believe, in Scott's right. service. And yeah, they had a good season this year, but they still are seven years playoff list. 
with Scott Service. I know so that's my like, point. I'm saying sometimes you know you think the grass is greener on the other side, and it sometimes is not greener on the other. I know, side. but that, I'm saying you're saying you shouldn't fire people, but like Scott Service, you're like, oh look how the Mariners do. The Mariners no, are no, no, that's not that's not what I meant. Seven... That's not what I meant, Phil. I like I'm sorry. I just want to clarify what I mean. If I, I'm trying to say that we are lucky to have a franchise that's been so well operated for so long with this coach for 11 years. And sometimes like you have to realize what we have and be more grateful for it and what we've been through rather than be ready to, you know, burn them at the stake. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like consistency is the only thing that matters in in sports. Okay. I'm still going to have the same response, which is, Scott Service has been there for seven years. So has Pete. Pierre Kale's been there for like 11 or whatever. You can have long-term coaches that are good, long-term mm-hmm. coaches that are bad. I don't think the Mariners and Seahawks are a good correlation because I think that comes from mm-hmm. ownership and other things more than it is. I think I had nothing then, to do with then, then you obviously did not listen to it. one word I just said. That's yes, pretty I odd. But, but I just said there was no correlation between longevity. Then you said... Well, you're wrong because there's no correlation between longevity. Let's stop the banter so I can actually get to the point, which is I'm saying the Mariners and the Seahawks have two completely different situations. Mm -hmm. Like one came from ownership. So it's not a good example to use for Pete Carroll is what I'm saying. Like the the Mariners problem wasn't managers or coaches, right? I mean, it was probably ownership, the GMs that they had, whatever it may be. I think the Seahawks situation is unique. Pete Carroll got given a lot of power when – Paul Allen passed away and yeah, Mm -hmm. he's maybe not good at the drafts. Maybe he's good at these things and not good at these things, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I think there's a fair reason. That's why I was just saying I'm in the middle. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. you're wrong. I'm not saying Seahawks one, two, three on Twitter is wrong. I'm saying that there are fair reasons to say Pete Carroll should be, not be evaluated right now because Mm -hmm. he's playing with Geno fucking Smith and they're losing games by three points. It's not completely Pete Carroll's fault to lose games by three points. But I think it's also fair to say, Hey, if the Seahawks should go swoop up Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, like, and have an offensive head minded or offensive coach, or if they can go get uh, McDaniels from new England, Mm -hmm. or if they can do, you know, something that's young and something that like Russell Wilson put a stamp on or whatever, you know, you know, Russell's into that stuff, right? Like kind of having the say. And so, if that was possible, would 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 you say that it's not a move that the Seahawks should consider? Like, or Pete Carroll? Would you say Pete Carroll's seventy and maybe it's a good idea to keep Russell Wilson around for ten years because Pete's probably not going to last? Uh, first of all, that's another that's another story for another day. That's another story for another coaching. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, oh yeah, let's go get the hot college coach. I mean, Urban Meyer was the most winning college football coach of all time, I think, or one of the most winning by percentages in that Jacksonville sure looks like they're doing well. Uh McDaniels. Yeah, I've seen all the I've I seen all these only, guys. I named young guys. I named right. I named young guys. Not, Josh uh, Mc Josh McDaniels okay. went to Denver and then was a disaster. Like sometimes like I feel like in general, it's just like fans we I'm not saying don't consider things. I just think it's unfair that we want to fire so many fans on Twitter think it's time for Pete Carroll to go. I think it's unfair. Like with the circumstances at hand it, with this season, I think it's unfair to say it's time for Pete Carroll to go. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I like I said, I agree that you can also see the other side, which is actually and i was naming young coaches on purpose there are young coaches in the nfl right now and a lot of them 
-hmm. are succeeding. So I don't know why you, of course, picked one example from 10 years ago that was the bad example. But because those are are the names that that our people are linking us to. That's why I named the ones that people are linking us to. Okay, yeah, but but still, I mean, like Lincoln Riley is not a good example. I said Lincoln Riley. You just picked the. I'm saying that there's a lot of young coaches in the NFL right now, Mm -hmm. including the Chargers coach, the Bengals coach. The Rams coach, Cliff Kingsbury, the only undefeated coach in the NFL right now. Matt LaFleur. A lot of the young coaches are actually succeeding almost more than the older coach. Actually, Absolutely. they are succeeding more than the older coaches. So that's why I'm saying it's not just about picking the one, you know, college coach like Urban Myers, the old guy. I was saying mm-hmm. that you can look at guys like Lincoln Riley and like consider you know there's a lot of good young coaches right now with the Sean McVay's and the Brandon. There's to- the- totally is. Totally is. And Vin, I you think can make... that's something that quarterbacks love. I, of course, thing. I totally agree. But then, like, it's okay. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second here on the young coaches thing because I think that's another thing. That's it, it's good to have a young coach. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, uh, would like to say who was the Super Bowl matchup last year? Andy Reid and Bruce Arians. Who's the Super Bowl match? Who, who matchup the year before? Andy Reid and somebody else. I don't remember who. And was. who won? And Andy Reid won that. Kyle Shanahan, but Andy Reid won it. Who won the Super Bowl the year before that? Bill Belichick. When has a young coach won a Super Bowl? I, I'm 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 not trying to just like shit on young coaches because I think I think after Pete Carroll we should go for a young hip young hip head coach. But has a young head coach all these like hot young coordinators has one won a Super Bowl or not? No, but you're also talking about the difference between a guy like who's. Andy Reid's been in the NFL for like 75 years. And so yeah, Belichick, yeah. And so yeah, has yeah, totally. all these guys have been in the NFL. It's taken them much. It took them much longer to make Super Bowls than Sean oh, McVay yeah. and Kyle Shanahan. Totally, Bill Belichick totally. actually lost jobs as well. Um, so did Pete Carroll. He's lost yeah, jobs. Yeah. So no, did no, Andy totally. Reid. He's lost jobs. So, I mean, look look at these young guys. They've made the Super Bowl like Shanahan and uh, – Shanahan and McVay, probably a lot earlier than any of those other guys. Now, yeah, yeah. I was just wondering if any had won. That's all. I'm just asking. I'm not like trying to argue that. They've only got a few years under their belt. But then again, like like I said, I'm not saying I I've been in. I just didn't like your sentiment that like, oh, these guys on Twitter don't know what they're talking about. Like, keep Pete Carroll. I kind of see it in the middle because it's like Mm. at the end of the day, this is the worst time to evaluate him, right? Like, I don't think it's very fair to say that's kind of that's my that's basically my point. It's the worst time to evaluate him, and everyone wants to burn him at the stake right now. Yeah, people have liked to burn Pete Carroll before. (laughs) I know that's true, but. I think that I'm just saying the sentiment's becoming a little wider right now when it comes to the whole, you know, buyer P Carroll. But the, the whole point that I was trying to make really is let's see how the rest of the season plays out. Cause guess what? If Russell Wilson comes back and is healthy and the Seahawks go three and six, then yes, P Carroll's probably going to be fired or Russell Wilson's going to leave one of the two. Um, if Russell Wilson comes back and my optimism's correct that they go seven and two or they go six and three and miss the playoffs by one game. And they almost had it. And if we had Russell Wilson, we probably would have been in the playoffs because probably would have won one, one or two of these games we just had. I think Pete Carroll is probably going to keep his job and who knows how long he's going to coach anyways, because there's going to be a point where maybe Russell Wilson says I'm either moving on or Pete's moving on. And Pete might just say, I'll retire. I'm 72 years old. Like, so be it. I, I don't know. That's a weird thing too. Is when is Pete Carroll actually going to consider retiring? Um, 
I, I, I don't know. I think one more good run he'll probably consider retiring. And then I'm just, uh, like I said, I just, I'm worried about who's next. I always wonder that, like, when people want, like, a coach gone or a coach retires. We're seeing it with the Washington Huskies right now. We saw it earlier in the century with the Washington Huskies with uh, Don James. We saw it in the Seahawks after um, Mike Holgren. We saw it with the Mariners after Lou Pinella. I just wonder who's next. Like, and is that just mean like, oh, we got our wish, but now we're going to be a dumpster fire for a few years. And I hope not. But just like, I'm just saying, be careful what you ask for. And, but the problem with the Pete Carroll thing is he's old enough to where it's going to happen, whether he gets fired or retires at some point. So that's why I see it a little differently too, where it's like, uh, he's going to, it's, he's, it, this is the last two, three years, regardless. So if they it should be mutually yeah. part ways or whatever, and also with the theory about the dark times, you know, Seahawks and UW football, both George have had actually only a quick few dark years before actually striking gold when it comes to coaches. I mean, Mike Holmgren, yeah, left me a couple bad years, but that's what led us to Pete Carroll, led us to our mm-hmm. first Super Bowl. The Huskies had some bad years, which led you to Sark, and then Sark quits, and then everyone thinks it's over, but it leads you to Chris Peterson, who takes. I think the Huskies are only one of two Pac-12 teams to ever make the college football playoffs, yeah. right, with Oregon. So dark times aren't always bad because sometimes you just need a, a rebuild year or two before you lead to the next great thing because, unfortunately, it's been six, seven years since the Seahawks won a Super Bowl, and maybe it is time to have a bad year or two uh, as long as as long mm-hmm. as Russell Wilson's okay with that, because you don't want to lose Russell. You know what's more worrisome, George, is losing Russell Wilson than losing Pete Carroll, because that's oh, yeah. even harder to replace. <laughs> that, um, well, and there'll be a time when Russell Wilson struggles where people are going to be, at, and we kind of did this offseason, including myself, where it's like, oh, he doesn't want to be here? Let him go. But then now, now we see the alternative. No, please stay. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know what, that's what's really interesting today is I think, uh, Let's 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 talk about that because I think one of the most interesting topics from yesterday's game, even on Twitter and everything, was like, okay, no more complaining about Russell Wilson holding the ball too long or Russell Wilson wanting to be the star of the show. Or like, fuck it. We want Russell Wilson and he can do whatever the fuck he wants because without him, it's not a fun ride. Yeah, yeah. And I obviously like I, I know what you mean, whatever the fuck he wants. We don't want him to turn into Patrick Mahomes where he's doing whatever the fuck he wants now and turning over the ball ad nauseum but i know what you mean like you want him to have a lot of say and a lot of control in the offense and be able to cook as they say let russ cook but without saying the word let let russ cook because no one likes that that saying anymore (laughs) yeah but people might like that saying again after uh after these couple games man fuck it i'll let russ cook i don't give a damn it's better than whatever else was happening Whatever this shitty meal we ate last night and the week before was on offense. Yeah. I do have one uh, complaint to make about the the officiating, which was really tough. And Pete Carroll actually mentioned this on the radio, and I was actually very surprised he said this because he probably will get fined for talking about it. Um, With the egregious false start by the Saints on the fourth and one. Did you watch it? Honestly, I completely forgot about that. But yes, it was like the most obvious. Yeah, yeah of course, I remember exactly. Four guys part- went early, and Jameis got the QB sneak for the first. Yes, down and- yeah, the whole uh, side of the. I think it was left side of a line move. It was the right side. Same, but yeah. It was the right side. Okay, yeah, whatever side Jameis wasn't going to. 
But I have a question for you before you continue on that. You said during the broadcast, and I don't know if you still have that same sentiment that you saw our, uh, I think it was Al Woods, or I could be wrong, one of our tackles kind of go into the uh, neutral zone, and you thought he kind of went offside first. You still, I haven't watched the replay, so. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen it from that angle, to be honest. Okay. Again, I'm just seeing it from the other angle, but Pete Carroll is pretty adamant that like, it was one of the most egregious missed calls. He's like, that's something that shouldn't happen in the NFL. I don't think he would say that on the broadcast. If, if he didn't watch the tape. Yeah. And see it. Yeah. It's the next mm-hmm. day. So I think he, it's pretty obvious what happened there. I think it's pretty bad what happened there. Um, I'm not saying that call changed the game, but I think the hard thing with the Seahawks is there's some missed calls there. There's some dumb bonehead mistakes by the Seahawks, including the Al Woods play where he jumped off sides on the field goal. Yeah, you and, don't want to uh, do that. And last but not least, uh, Jason Myers. Uh, can't He was Mr. Automatic last year. He was like our, our Justin Tucker for last all last season. And to miss two crucial field goals, that, that, that wins you the game. We'd, be, we'd win 16-13. Um, that's really tough to see when you have a kicker you think that you completely trust. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that because it's funny because earlier this season, there he was. I think he's four for four on the season when he finally missed a field goal. And I remember the broadcast was like, "Oh, he hasn't missed a field goal last season or this season." And he missed it, and then ever since then he hasn't been Mister Automatic. So I forget. I don't know who the broadcasters were on that game. Uh, when he missed his first field goal this season, but they're the ones to blame, not Jason Myers himself. Sure. I'll go with you on that. That's fine. <laughs> he was a hundred percent last year, by the way. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. 100%. He was 24 for 24. Um, and he's had a, this is the worst season he's had in his career. I mean, even with the Jaguars in 2016, he was 79%. Then he was with the, uh, Jets in 2018, 91%. Last year literally went literally 24 for 24. And this year he's at six for 10 on field goals. Um, and some yeah. of them last night weren't tough. They weren't like, yeah, I mean, they were, it was easy. raining. Nothing's bro. easy. Yeah, it was yeah, raining big hard. But the Saints kicker who made big kicks yesterday it was his the first, first game NFL. in the NFL. Yeah, yeah he was off the practice squad or off the streets last week, comes into Seattle in the rain. And makes those. You, Jason Myers has to make those. That wins. You no, he does. Really he takes it overtime. There's no excuse for that. Like if if you have if you the, the hard thing is kickers. If you continue that trend for another week or two, you get cut. I know. There's no, <laughs> there's no mercy with kickers. I know. Poor kickers. Like I, I don't know if you watched the Larry Dave David skit, skit the other day when uh, not skit because on uh, God whose show was Rich Eisen Rich Eisen's show oh. on. And he was talking about like Rich Eisen asked if you're the NFL commissioner, what would you do? And he's like, "Oh, I'm getting rid of kickers. Like, what the hell is this? Like, these guys don't play the whole entire game, and when they come in, and sometimes it's either they win the game or lose the game. Like, it makes no sense. Like, literally zero sense. I'm getting rid of, rid of kickers. See, I I see it the opposite. I I love the aspect. It's what makes the game crazy interesting. I, that's what I think too. I think I think it makes it much more interesting." It'd be like getting rid of free throws in basketball, or like getting rid of. Yeah, but but uh, he did make a good point because he's like this pl- this person doesn't have any other skill set. Like getting rid of free throws, the guy got fouled or he gets to the line. Like this guy literally comes off the bench and just kicks the ball and then goes back to the bench. This is his only job. 
Yeah, but isn't that that's what it is in every industry? That's like he's a TV guy, right? Isn't there a guy that just does the lights? Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't just decide who if you win or lose the show. Yeah, if if you if the guy never figures out the lights or the whole lighting of the show is poor, the show might flop. I think it's the same in any industry. There's always something in industries. Fucking coaches have pullback guys now, where they like the guys that run behind them and pull them from yeah, going to the that, sideline. That's just an ego thing, bro. Like, there's no way they actually need a pullback guy. I think almost every coach in the NFL has one now. Yeah, like I'm telling you, it's an ego thing. Like, it sounds cool. It's like getting a fancy watch. Like, I have a fancy watch myself, but like, do I really need a fancy watch or do I just want the fancy watch? Like, do you think any NFL coach really needs the pullback guy or do you think he just, like, that's kind of cool. I got a fucking pullback guy. It's called get back coach. Sorry. Get back the get back coach. That's what they're called. Get back coaches. No, no. Seriously, do you think that anyone actually needs it or do you think it's more of a want? Like, it's a luxury item. I don't know, George. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's just it's, I've never. Can I tell you? I've Jeopardy. never. No, I've never <laughs> coached in the NFL, so I'm not quite sure if I actually would need to get back coach. Um, because you've played I've never, sports, I've never seen you run like you've been on a bench before. You never had to like I run have not onto. Been an, once again, I've not been an NFL coach to know. You if played I varsity need to get basketball. It's pretty close. I mean, it's like what two levels below, right? Because you got like. You varsity, and then you go to college, and then like professional. Like you're only two levels of sports behind. And you play varsity football. You're only two levels behind. Once again, I've never coached, coached, coached in the NFL. So okay, well, I'll tell, here I'll tell you something. I'm going to tell you something here, and I'm going to enlighten all the listeners. No one needs a pullback coach. Let me tell you why. The pullback coach has been a new thing. Sean McVay was one of the first people to have it. Throughout all my years of watching NFL football, I maybe had seen, maybe never, an NFL coach just end up wandering onto the middle of a field in the middle of a play and like, or hitting a ref. Like, usually they are on the sideline. So Sean McVay invented it and now everyone has it. We went 50 years of NFL football without a get back coach. Now we have a get back coach. We don't need get back coaches. But if I was a coach, I would have a get back coach because it's a luxury item. It's like, it's, like I said, it's like a fancy watch. Well, I hate to tell you, your origin story is wrong also. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So it did not start with Sean McVay, but that's another story for another day. I know. So, I'm interested. And I think that you started years back, too. years back in Clemson. It says years back. So a long time ago. It's been a thing, but. This is, you know, it's just one of the, George, George is one of his unpopular things. He doesn't like get back coaches. No, I said, I like it. I'd have one. I'm just saying they're not necessary. I'm not saying I totally have one. I'm in. I love get back coaches. If you're a get back coach listening to this podcast, love you guys, but you're like a Rolex, not necessary. Definitely want it. Uh, it started in 2013, uh, 2014. Okay, so we would like a hundred and Clemson. something years, hundred years of football without get back coaches, and now we have get back coaches. Not necessary. Lovely item, though. I totally suggest for all coaches, any level, get a get back coach. Um, I kind of think it's necessary, but that's another another well, story no, explain, for another day. No, like, explain, yeah. explain. I want to know. Why I don't want to explain. Just... I just said I think it's necessary. If I was a coach, I'm passionate. I'm going to run on the field a lot, and I need somebody to pull me back. You would it's actually run on the field. Every single coach in the NFL runs on the field. Why are you acting shocked? 
Have you never name one coach that you've seen? Russell Wilson was on the field in overtime of the Steelers game, telling Gino to spike it. Do you remember that? Okay, but there's like you don't get a penalty. You didn't get a penalty. Like I just that's why I don't think it's necessary. Know, but, but for example, Russell Wilson should have got a pe- should have got a penalty. He's not even a. Coach. So do you need to get a get back coach for the whole team to get everyone back, or is it only for the head coach? <laughs> I can't deal with you today. <laughs> Wait, does it get back coach? Does it? No, he no, does the coach. Just a coach. So if a defensive tackle wanted to run on the field, he could. Or the kicker. <laughs> Full circle back to the kicker. I can't with you today. This is one of those moments where I just can't with you because you know that it you know the purpose of a get back coach and you know that it kind of makes sense. No, it doesn't. You just want to drag it off. Yes, it does. It, really it literally makes sense. Then why does somebody get paid to do it? Because it's a luxury. It's like a Rolex. I've said it three, 30 times. I don't need it, but I like it. It tells time. It has a purpose. But is it necessary? I think it's necessary for coaches right. that have the tendency to get on the field because I saw Russell Wilson run on the field and the Steelers game, and it's pretty obvious that that was an emotional moment, and he like couldn't, didn't really like pick up on where he was, right? Like was on the field telling Gino to spike mm-hmm. it. And those are the moments where as like a coach, it does make sense to have a get back coach that helps you get back and not get a penalty. And I think it's necessary. There's a reason right. it exists. I'm very practical. If it exists, there's probably a reason for it. Okay. I, I, like I said, I think there is a reason. That'd for be it. like saying, think- is there a reason that football is a sport? It just people hitting heads, causing head trauma. No, is is it football necessarily necessary in like the grand scheme of things? No, but do I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoy good back coaches. Okay, under your theory, my friend, that means there is nothing (laughs) that is necessary in the history of life. Are life necessary? No, water's not necessary. We could just die without it. It's not necessary. No, no, no. But is it necessary for my my survival? Yes, water is. Necessary okay, so then for lights aren't necessary. Houses nope. aren't necessary. Nope, not Food's necessary. Not that necessary. You can just very go nice. Like they're they're very so, important. I this love is them. where they're great this items. Is, this is where I can't deal with you. This is my point. <laughs> well, I mean, we're being way too literal here. I'm just talking about get back. No, no, you're who's we? You're being too literal. I'm saying it's a job. It's necessary. Right. Boom, boom. Right. You know what they say. If it's a job, it's necessary. I'm trying to think of a job that's not necessary right now, but the one I can only think of is get back coaches. <laughs> but anyway, that's enough of get back that's coaches. That, but that was a great topic. Love the topic. Love, love, love the uh, the um, the passion you have for get back coaches. <laughs> I have no passion for get back coaches. You have a passion for arguing about get back coaches. So well, I'm not back to the opposite. I'm just, I'm just enjoying this topic too much. Yeah. Dragged it on a little too long, my friend, but it, that, you know, we can, we can just roll with it. If, uh, if you don't enjoy the topics of get back coaches, I apologize. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, message Sammy and tell him how much you like this topic. Cause it really was funny. I didn't well, say it was fine. I'm just saying sorry for for it being seven minutes of get back coaches. But let's just move on because now we're still dragging it on, and it's just <laughs> talking about nothing. So like Seinfeld, yeah, basically. But they don't they don't they don't overdo it. You know, like a joke usually lasts like they're good at like keeping it between two to four minutes. The show is called a show about nothing. The whole entire show is exactly. dragging on shit about yeah, but nothing. They don't know, but it's not one joke for fifteen. Oh minutes. yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. I thought you mean like when you said. Uh, Nothing. Never mind. Yeah, see, this is my point. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think Pete Carroll should be fired. 
that's the gist of things. I think the Seahawks have a chance to make a playoffs. So I'm going to be optimistic. And um, I do think my last thought of the, the weekend, George, was that uh, the Seahawks should have picked up another quarterback. And I don't care about – they don't know the system. I really don't care about that. They should have picked up another quarterback. A guy like Cam Newton, as much as I didn't want him, maybe could have ran the ball, got out of trouble a little more than Geno Smith. Um, and I think the Seahawks might have won one of these games. I really think Geno Smith's bad at football. That's why he hasn't played football in six years. In six years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to each his own. I think Cam Newton would have produced about the same exact results as Geno Smith did. But um, I guess he would have looked cooler doing it. So that's always fun. Uh, no, he's better runner than Geno Smith. That's pretty proven. Better runner. Yeah, better yeah. runner. Yeah, but probably get, wouldn't have been sacked as much as Geno Smith in those okay. situations where he gets trailed from behind. Um, but, but Geno Smith knows the offense better than Cam Newton, so give or take. That's kind of where what I'm offense? Okay. The one where we'd run HB dive. Exactly. So, <laughs> what would have been better situation yesterday? Running nine HB dives and then having Cam Newton run once, or what we had yesterday? Probably nine uh, HB dives with Cam Newton doing a couple play actions while he runs as well. Sure. I'll, I mean, there's no way I'll, we can ever prove this, so I'm just going to agree with you. Maybe Cam Newton running into the line of scrimmage would have looked better than whatever the shit show we were doing yesterday. It would have. It would have. The The Seahawks ran the ball. What was it? Into, uh, into what was it? Saints were in like a box eight. I think it was 11 times I saw the stat. They had eight in the box 11 times, and we ran an HB dive nine of those 11 times. Good for us. That also is Geno Smith, who hasn't started in six years and doesn't know how to probably audible the right calls out of that. Because that's where mm-hmm. that's where I think Cam Newton might have actually helped us, George. Cam Newton, he, he would have audibled. Ir- yeah, ir- ir- oh irrational God. confidence is good sometimes in these type of situations. Dude, Cam Newton would literally do some dumb shit that works out sometimes. I know, but that's the point. Like, he doesn't know the offense. How would he have audibled? Well, Geno Smith's been in this offense for three years. You can't audible. Like, you just wouldn't, there's, he wouldn't know the playbook to audible. He would, I, whatever. I'm not going to argue Kim Yu, and he's on our team, and we're not going to sign him, I don't think, because Russ is coming back in two weeks. We signed Jacob Eason, by the way. I know. It's just because he got cut by the Colts. We need another backup. Yeah, I'm just saying we signed him. I just wanted to mention that on the podcast. You sounded very excited about it, so I don't know. Why are you so excited about it? You want him to start next week? I'm sure. No, not really, but I'm sure some people do. I don't. Do you? No. Okay, good. But I do wish. I I actually, I'm going to double down on my Cam Newton comment. Cam Newton rushed for 592 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. This would it would have given us a better opportunity to win some games than Geno Smith. That's all I'm going to say. With or without the stupid playbook, that's nine HB dives. You could teach him five pass plays on the offense we had yesterday, which I'm going to get to actually because Shane Waldron, by the way, is one of those other young geniuses on offense. That what a wizard! Yeah, that obviously maybe that maybe he's not as great of an offensive. I don't with it, even when Russ was in there. Uh, not, not much better than last year. <laughs> he knows Sean McVay, though, so he must be really good. No, I'm sure when Russ comes and there's some cohesion there, we'll ha- probably – I actually do think we'll we'll have a little bit better um, understanding and seeing more about Shane Waldron. I'm not really ready to judge him with what we had to work with 
the last few games. So that, that that's all know. I'm gonna say about him. Well, I'm saying the Rams look fine without him as well. So the Rams do look fine without Shane Waldron. They really do, actually. Another good <laughs> Maybe we look- should fire Shane Waldron and have hired their offensive coordinator right now, whoever that might be. What 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 was Shane Waldron? Was he like an assistant for them last no, year? No, he was. I think I think he was the offensive coordinator for them last year because Zach Taylor used to be an offensive coordinator for them and went to Cincinnati. Then Shane Waldron became the offensive coordinator and now insert some random white guy that's about 27 years old as their offensive coordinator right now i don't know who it is but he's a 27 year old white blonde guy probably no he wasn't the offensive coordinator that's right he wasn't oh no he was the passing passing game coordinator coordinator. that's right yeah that wouldn't have made sense that's why i was saying why would he leave offensive coordinator for another offensive offensive coordinator coordinator. duh who's the offensive coordinator there i don't know uh, I'm going to look this up because I want to know who their offensive coordinator is. But it's um, – let's see. It do, is do, a, do Kevin me a favor. O'Connell. Do me a favor and never use that keyboard again on this podcast. Uh, my bad. I actually thought I pressed mute on the screen, but I did not. Kevin O'Connell. Yep. That sounds just about – what I thought, and he looks exactly like what you think Kevin O'Connell looks like. So, whatever you're picturing in your head, guys, that's what he looks like. He's six years old. Yep. <laughs> he came from the Redskins, though, so it makes sense. Yeah. So did McVeigh. I know. That's why. That's why I said it makes sense. Oh, okay. And it's the Washington Football Team. I apologize. But you it was the Redskins so while he was there. So yeah. <laughs> that's fair. You offended so many people. Well, Seahawks, I'm going to stay optimistic. Let's try to stay on topic here. We've been talked about 90 things that are not Seahawks related for uh, the last 15 minutes. I think it's going to be a fine season. Uh, you obviously think it's somewhere in between. And uh, I do want to mention the Mariners before we get off today's podcast. All right, because, because Ken Griffey Jr. is now a part owner. And I think it's... Uh, you know, for a fan base that doesn't really always trust the ownership of the Mariners and kind of hates on them a lot and worried they're not going to do the right thing, I do think it's really nice to have somebody like Ken Griffey Jr. in the building. Already yesterday, he's like, let's make some moves this offseason. Like, you know, he's making some big statements. Can't wait to win a World Series here. Make big offseason moves. I think it's good to have a former player of that magnitude that has that importance to the city that will – help push the front office a little bit to be like, let's like, you know, this is what, this is what we need. We need to spend money. We need to do it here. And he's been around. I mean, yeah. Played most of his life in uh, Seattle, but you know, he's been around baseball since he was a child. His dad was in the MLB. Mm-hmm. He's gone other places than Seattle. He knows what you need to do to play good baseball. And I think it's going to be really nice to have him in the building just for morale purposes and just to help guide other players and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I love it. I, I don't know if he, I don't know what kind of say he's going to have. I don't know if he's going to have any pool in the organization. I don't even know if they're going to speak to him, but let me tell you what it's going to do. I think what you said at the beginning was the biggest key. I think it's going to add trust to our fan base that doesn't trust this ownership group. I think it's going to put trust in free agents, even if they never speak to Griffey, that, hey, Griffey's part of this organization. You know, Griffey's a legend. I just think it gives trust. And I think that's something the Seattle Mariners have been lacking for years. 
is there's the trust in the ownership group, the trust in the front office, the trust in the organization as a full. And I think adding Ken Griffey Jr. to the mix, you said it great. It brings trust. That was the first thing you said. And I, I, I stuck to me because I really like, I, I trust the organization because Ken Griffey Jr. is there. Now we have Ichiro in the organization. We, uh, Edgar was part of the organization at some point, and I don't think he is anymore. Um, and he, Edgar, I don't think yeah, he's, he is. Is he still doing something with us? Yeah, he's at every single. He's in the. Is, isn't he? Uh, I thought he was literally in. I saw him all the time. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> he used to be the batting coach. Is he still the batting coach? I don't think he was ever the full time batting coach. Okay, but he's something. But it's cool because we have all these guys who are legends that are part of the organization. One guy who's not part of the organization, Alistair Agudis. Um, I don't think he's going to be. Um, but it's cool. It's cool having those guys that, you know, represent the best Seattle Mariners years and can add some trust into the organization for the fan base. He is a, uh, he stepped down from one of the hitting coast positions, but he still has a role in the franchise, like cool hitting system. Um, and the nice thing with Griffey is I do think he's going to have a voice. It could, I mean, John Stanton himself, the owner of the Mariners, they, they had a press conference for this and everything. And, you know, this wasn't just like a, signed a contract that was on the internet and that was over. Like there was a press conference. John Stan said he was really excited to have Etro or have a Griffey in as a voice in the, in the clubhouse and in, in the in management, like quote unquote. Um, I don't, I don't think you would come out and say that if, unless he was actually going to have some type of decent role in there, because it's not, that's not something you just say for fun, right? Like excited to have you as a voice. Mm-hmm. And then, he live, lives in another state and it doesn't. No, he lives in you know Orlando, I mean? right? He does live in another state, right? I, I, mean, don't, I don't know. I don't know I if he's he still does. probably has multiple homes, George. He's pretty rich. He, oh, he has. Yeah, he has multiple. But yeah, anyway, the point, my point is, though, I, I, it, it's a great thing because it adds trust. Like this, I think that's the most important thing. I, I think we'll find out his role as time goes on and how much he wants to be involved. I bet you if he wants to be involved more, they're going to let him be involved more. That's true. I think at the end of the day, um, I think it's just it's the what it's all about is just how it looks for the organization. It yeah. looks good. It looks it's great. Fun. It looks good. It's a good moment for him to be involved. Like you said, we have um, a lot of former Mariners that want to be involved with this success of the Mariners. Mm-hmm. So it's time to, to have some success. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, sometimes I wonder. I mean, that's all I had to say about the Griffey stuff, to be honest. It's just exciting. But sometimes I wonder, like, when I'm watching the Seahawks this year and you see, like, a two and five start, I'm like, fuck, this sucks. And I think, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've endured this pretty damn long with the Mariners. I've gone 21 years like this with the Mariners. Like, it's pretty, we've been pretty spoiled with the Seahawks. <laughs> we've been very spoiled. And that's kind of where to bring it back full circle as a Mar- Seahawks fan at least enjoy the moments that we had and let's hope that we have more of them. Uh, it's been a great era of Seattle Seahawks football and it's just been a bad start to the 2021 season. We have, we have our sports on tap Seattle, Pete Carroll defender, George, George today. And uh, George, I think yep. Pete Carroll really appreciate your words today. I think he would. I, you know, I just something about you know kicking a seventy-year-old man while he's down. I don't like. <laughs> well, that's that's why we're. This is why we're not firing Pete Carroll. George's like, hey, you listen up, all right? The man's seventy. You really want to just take kick him while he's down? Yeah, very like, fragile. He's like seventy. Fragile. Like, come on. Like, at least let him 
let him dwindle away on his own. In the if he was forty, if Pete Carroll's forty right now, I'd be like, "Fucking fire his ass!" But like, fire him. George's like, kick him in his fucking ass on his way out. <laughs> yeah, he's a seventy-year-old man, George's man. Like, Poor punch, guy. Let's punch him in the back of the he head could while be, he walks he could out the be building. Everyone's grandpa. Do you? You don't ever your grandpa. You don't kick your grandpa while he's down. Like, come on, he's an old man. That's fair. If he wasn't, if he was Sean McVay's age, you'd literally say, it. "Punch him in the neck as he leaves the building." Two and five, my ass. <laughs> Get the fuck out, two and five, motherfucker. Get out of our city. Well, Pete Carroll, George, uh, George is giving you the AARP retirement treatment, whatever. The- retirement. Uh, it's the firing discount. You have to be yeah. eight games below five hundred before I'll fire your ass at seventy. At seventy-five, it's twelve games. It's the AARP, bro. That's what it is. Yep. What the firing this guy is. Oh, is, it, is that one of their offers? <laughs> That's their offers. Well, you're welcome, Pete Carroll. You got you got a couple more shots uh, under the policy, and uh, I guess hopefully they beat Jacksonville, and uh, we'll come back later this week, maybe Thursday, Friday, whatever, a couple days, and we'll discuss this. Old man Pete Carroll versus old man Urban Meyer <laughs> matchup. Two, two, two coaches that know how to go places, build them up, and then break them down. Very similar wow. coaches. Very true, actually. Kind of. Ohio but, State has done very well after Urban Meyer. We'll give them. But that. that's not the point. The point is that they always <laughs> find a way to leave, or there's some oh, reason they gotta go. Hey, it's time to go, go for some reason. Yeah, like they always. Those guys are too least like, I don't know. They've had some instability is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's true. They've been known for it. And Urban Myers, you know, he, he likes also flirting with like 25-year-olds, which is another you know, another problem. Another story for another day. We'll talk about that this week. What's next on the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast? Does Urban Meyer like 25-year-olds? And does Pete Carroll have a gum coach? No, he does not. No, Does he keep extra coming? Leave Pete Carroll. Stop making fun of a seventy-year-old. What are you doing? No, no, I'm serious. I was just wondering if he, uh, like, because he threw his gum out yesterday. And he's always chewing gum. I'm just wondering, like, keep extra in his pocket or what he does exactly. I do want to know if someone does know. Message us. All right. Yeah. Please message us about Pete Carroll's gum. And uh, happy uh, Tuesday, I guess it was. Right. Go enjoy the World Series. One day our Mariners will be on there, and uh, that's it. That's all I got today. All right. That's all they said. Sayonara and cheers to Seattle, y'all. Peace. Cheers to Seattle.